Hello and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you are tuning in, and hope that you would be empowered and transformed by the Word of God. Oh man, so excited to see all of y'all in the house today, amen. Ain't this a good day? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Always giving honor to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The lover of my soul. Amen. The lover, the lover, the lover of my soul. Of course, to my senior pastor, uh, senior pastor Brandon Hill, Lady Oticia, we love you all so much. Amen. Amen. We shall be reunited very soon. Reunited and it feels so good. Amen. One day, one day soon, one day soon. Amen. Oh, man, um, I'm so excited to be with you all again. Amen. We started a brand new message series last Sunday entitled, I Got Questions. Who enjoyed the first installment? <laughs> Bless the name of the Lord. Amen. To God be the glory. Amen. One of my mentors told me and um, has reminded me in this season that nothing is wasted. When you hear certain preachers preach on certain things, you can tell that they've been tested on the thing that they've been preaching. And so I'm grateful for the journey. Amen. I'm grateful for the journey, grateful for what God has given me to share with you all. A lot of which you have uh, gone through yourselves. Amen. Um, None of our experiences, they may be unique, but we share a lot of the same sufferings, a lot of the same gripes and frustrations. And so I'm just coming to edify the brethren. Amen. The premise of this message series, we've been learning how to wrestle with God. We've been learning how to wrestle well about some of life's most difficult questions regarding suffering, depravity, disappointment, and a whole lot of others. Amen. Because there's a whole lot in this world. There's a whole lot of frustrations and a lot of things to confuse you and irritate you and make you weary and discouraged. And what I said last week is that we got to get in the ring. We got to get in the ring and wrestle these things out with the Lord. I talked about last week about um, the premise of this message series was a study I had done about um, a a host of um, uh, former believers in the faith who were former pastors, who were former worship leaders, who were former uh, Christian influencers. A lot of them had departed the faith. And a constant theme I saw all throughout their research was a lot of them had frustration with unanswered questions things concerning their life, things concerning the world, and they asked God for these questions, and either he didn't answer or they got an answer that they didn't like. And that discouragement led to them departing the faith, saying, I renounce Christianity. I'm no longer part of the Christian faith. I don't want to be associated with the body of Christ anymore. I want to encourage y'all with this message. I want to encourage you to wrestle, because if you don't wrestle, if you don't go to the Lord and pour out, those things will begin to build up within you and cause your heart to become bitter and hardened. And God cares. I know in the midst of your circumstances, it doesn't seem like God cares, but he cares. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear the anger. He wants to hear the frustration. He wants to hear the irritation. Come all to me and I will give you rest. Come to me. He welcomes that, he welcomes that. Hello, I'm Vernon Hill Sr., teaching pastor here at TCF. Hello, my name is Aretha Hill. I am the director of Glory Girls. Thank you for watching us today. If you're in need of a church community and you feel the Lord leading you to connect to this ministry, become more than a member. Be a partner. 
When you partner with TCF, you become an agent of change, assisting the vision and the mission of the church to connect lives of the transforming power and love of Jesus Christ. We would love to partner in community and do life with you. So come to TCF. We look forward to seeing you. And remember, transformation starts here. Last Sunday, we talked about soul many different things. We talked about what is a question. We talked about the purpose of a question. Most of the time when we're asking questions, we want some information. Amen. We're making inquiries. We want to know. We want answers. And I talked about how the definition of an answer, um, one of the definitions is a solution to a problem. That's often what we're looking for in an answer is a solution to the present circumstance that I'm facing. We talked about, we debunked the myth that it's wrong to ask God questions. How many of you have ever grown up in an environment, whether it was your house or church, where somebody told you it's wrong to ask God questions? They made you feel bad. They made you feel like you didn't have any faith. They made you feel like you weren't spirit-filled. Because in your humanity, you're trying, to wrestle, you're trying to wrestle with understanding an omniscient God, a transcendent God who transcends beyond your imagination. They had no compassion for you, no mercy. And you're just like, I'm just trying to understand. I'm just trying to get a grasp of this big, vast God that y'all been telling me about. And how can I not ask him questions? He's omniscient. He knows everything. Who better to ask my questions than the omniscient God? And so we also talked about how, although he welcomes you to answer, you got to be open to how he answers. <laughs> you got to be open to what he answers back, irrespective of whether you like it or not. It's not to say that the answer you will always hate. You may receive that answer, you may not like it. But as you develop and mature in your faith, that answer becomes the thing that you need to keep on going, to run the race strong. We talked about how sometimes God don't give you an answer when you want him to. Is anybody else impatient in here? I'm very, very, very impatient. So impatient when people are walking slow in front of me, I'm like, <sighs> I just curve around them. I'm, I have a problem with patience. But God exists outside of time. And so when he gives answers, sometimes it may not come when you want it. Sometimes God will answer you with a question. Sometimes you be like, God, why this? Who that? When, where, how, why? And God's like, who, what, when, where, and how? He'll answer you back with questions of his own. I don't want that to discourage you. I'll be foolish to not um, warn you of all the different possibilities. Because a lot of people get in the ring, and they want to dictate how God answers them. It don't work that way. You got to know who your opponent is. He's running the show. And he gets to dictate how he answers, when he answers, what he will answer with. I showed you scriptures of examples of people who asked God questions and God did not condemn them. He gave them a multiplicity of answers. And what I, what I left off with, I talked about having the right motivations. And this is where I want to continue on today. Having the right motivations when you get in that ring. Because like I said, you got to remember who your opponent is. You're not going to beat him. But you will win things. You will win weapons. You will win revelation. You will win promises that will help you endure and run the race strong. Somebody say amen. amen. Come to me. Come with me, excuse me, to Proverbs 3. Pro Proverbs 3. Verses 5 
excuse me, verse five. Should be up on the screen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And this is the key for this message today and for this whole series in its entirety. Do not lean on your own understanding. Don't bring God your questions if you are not genuinely interested in his answers. Don't ask him your questions if you are not seriously invested and interested in hearing his answers. You are beseeching the God of the universe, the God who says his word says that he holds the world together by the word of his power the omniscient God, that nothing is hidden from him. Your frame was not hidden from him when he formed you in your mother's womb. When you beseech him, please know you have to be open to receive what he has, and you may not understand it. Don't let that discourage you. God is more interested in developing your spiritual understanding than your logic understanding. How do I know this? I'm a scientist. I study logic. I study the laws of nature in, in college, and this is what we do. We study logic. We study how things come to be. But don't you understand? <laughs> Speaking from my college roommate over there. <laughs> what you don't understand is that God transcends logic, transcends the wisdom of this world. His world says that he confounds, he uses the wisdom of this world to confound the wise. Excuse me, he confounds the wise of this world with his wisdom that it doesn't make sense to us in our natural minds. But he's after developing your spiritual mindset. It's not saying that he can't give you answers to the natural things of life, but he's all about developing your spiritual understanding. When we question God in terms of asking him questions, We must examine ourselves to see whether or not we're questioning him with a genuine desire to learn from and of him, to be enlightened by him. It's not just to gain information from him. It's to learn more about him. So that's one motivation. We also have to examine whether or not we're questioning him with the desire to find fault with him, to accuse him, to critique him, to challenge him. Both have very different um, results. And I'm telling you, you want to be on the first side. Amen. (laughs) When you go in with the desire to accuse and challenge and find fault with God, he will humble you. And sometimes I don't think we realize what God's humbling can really do. It can make you feel really bad about yourself. That's not the intent. But sometimes he has to remind you that I'm God. I will be exalted above the nations. I am the uncreated creator. You are my creation, and I love you, but you are not me. Let's talk about motivations. Let's talk about um, being enlightened by God. To be enlightened by him, we can't not operate from human wisdom, from human understanding. Last week, we talked about the book of Habakkuk and the prophet Habakkuk, how he's complaining to the Lord, Lord, look out in our nation, Judah, Look at, all, look at all the violence that's happening. Brothers killing brothers, sisters killing sisters, oppression. Yeah. 
How long will you look upon us and not do anything? Is that not what people ask right now in our world, in our times right now? God, do you see the police brutality? Do you see the mass murderers? Do you see the inflation? Do you see the abuse? of political powers. Do you not see all these things? And yet seems, it seems like you don't care, but it seems as if as nothing is being done. So Habakkuk cries out, God, what are you going to do? When is restoration coming? And God tells him, I'm going to cause an enemy nation to rise up to execute judgment against your people. Now Habakkuk is like, whoa, 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 whoa. How can a moral and good God use a more evil nation to execute judgment? From his perspective, God was not acting morally just. From Habakkuk's perspective, God was not acting according to good morals. But notice how I said from Habakkuk's perspective. God in his word says he causes kingdoms to rise and he uproots them and he causes them to fall. At his, um, as, at his rule, he's um, given the power, he has the power to cause nations to execute judgment on others. So Habakkuk, in questioning, he's trying to figure out why, how, and God's just like, relax. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to bring judgment against the people who have done you wrong, and I'm going to judge them myself. But this is what Habakkuk says in response to that prayer. Show them Habakkuk 2. He says, I will stand my watch. And I will set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Habakkuk opened himself up to receive correction from the Lord. He presented his case. He presented his complaints, but he opened himself up for the Lord to speak and give him correction. Then he says, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, the vision concerning judgment, the vision concerning how I'm going to bring restoration to your people. Write it down because it's not going to be fulfilled quickly. That the plan still has to be unfolded so that you can run, so that you can run with this encouragement. Why is this important? A lot of times we look at the suffering of this world and we're asking God, when, when, when? It doesn't seem like you're doing anything. Don't you understand that God has an ultimate plan? He has appointed times for certain events for how he's going to move in the situation. And a lot of times we're going to have to wait I know you don't like that. I know none of us like that. But a lot of times we're going to have to wait for the plan to be unfolded, not just in this world, but in your own life. How many times have you been in situations and seasons when you didn't understand what God was doing, how he was using the suffering, how he was using the pain, but you got on the other side and you were like, yo, I finally see what you were doing. You can only say that in hindsight, but in the middle of it, you didn't get it. But when you trusted and you allow God to work out his plan to completion, you saw it for yourself that he was working it for your good. It gave you strength and courage to trust him again for the next trial, for the next tribulation. So he tells Habakkuk, the vision is yet for an appointed time. I've set it in time. I've set it in history. And though it tarries, wait for it. I know you don't want to wait for answers. I know you don't want to wait for God to respond, but a lot of the times that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to develop the discipline of waiting. And it's discipline because it's hard. Amen. Anybody try to go on a diet or workout? It's discipline. 
You are training your body. You are training your mind to do things that are counter to its natural tendencies and desires. Somebody say, wait for it. Wait for for the plan to be unveiled. To be enlightened by God, we also have to be open to exploring his attributes. We have to be exploring, we have to be open to exploring his goodness, his faithfulness, his kindness, these things that we say in songs, these things that we declare in in church and in worship. But do we really understand the manifold nature of these things? A lot of the times when we're going through suffering, the main attribute of God that gets questioned is his goodness. And this is what it sounds like. God, if you're so good, why is there suffering in the world? God, if you're so good, why did I experience evil being done to me? God, if you're so good, why did you allow my loved one to God? Excuse me, why did you allow my loved one to die? Why did you allow me to lose my job? Why did you allow me to go through all these things if you're good? Our very limited understanding of his goodness. Psalm 119 says, you are good and you do good. A lot of the times we allow our circumstances to dictate his goodness. We allow our circumstances, we'll look at him and say, God, it don't look like you're good. But before he does anything good, he is good. His nature is good. His essence is good. Everything about him is right. There's no impurity in him. He is good. So that's how I'm able to declare in these situations that he is good. That's how I'm able to declare in pain and frustration and confusion that he is good. Because it doesn't matter what I go through, his nature never changes. He is good. God, you are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. If only we were to develop a doctrine, a faith base that's not founded upon what we see, but upon the nature of God. We won't allow ourselves to be tossed and turned in our situations. I'm not saying it don't get confusing. I'm not saying it doesn't get frustrating. But your God says that I am God. I changeth not. And because of that, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. I don't change. You should be able to look at the depravity of the world and see the goodness of God, to see how pure he is, to see how holy he is. When you look out and see all the evil in the world, he is good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. Teach me about your goodness. I came into this thinking that your goodness was one thing, but now I realize that it don't matter what I experience. You are good. I will declare it to the mountaintops. You are good. I will declare it when I'm in pain, when I'm broken. You are good. I will declare it at any time. In all things, give thanks for this is the will concerning you in Christ Jesus. You are good. The world, the Bible says that the mind, the carnal mind is enmity with God. That's why they can't fathom and understand how a God that is so good can be reconciled with the events of this world. That's because we don't dictate how good he is. We don't dictate how he changes because he doesn't change. We don't get to dictate how, his, how he dispenses his goodness. We don't have that type of power. We don't have that type of right. It says you are good and you do good. I know that's hard to believe, 
But just keep declaring that. Because what you're doing, you're declaring his nature. You're declaring his essence. And that in of itself will give you more strength to endure even more than the good things that he does. Yes, you do miracles so great. Yes, you do mighty acts. But before you even created this world and called it good, you were good. And you always will be good. God's goodness. So we talked about learning of God, learning his attributes. These are the intentions you have to come in with. He has revelation to share, promises to give. I heard a friend say that when you believe the worst about somebody and you want to believe the worst about somebody, you're going to believe the worst about them. A lot of people, a lot of atheists, agnostics, they choose to believe the worst about God. And so what do they do? They go in the scriptures. They study to find places to critique him, to challenge him, to question his ethics, to question his moral ethics, because they want to see evil in God. You have to ask yourself, in the midst of my questions, in the midst of the wrestle, do I want to believe the best about God? Do I, want to be, do I want to believe the best about him even when my circumstances say contrary? If you go in believing the best, he will open up your eyes to see him in new ways. Yes, he does. That's how the word is able, that's how the psalmist was able to say it was good that I was afflicted so I may learn your statutes. That don't make sense to the carnal mind, how affliction was good for me. It was good for me because I learned his word. That's how I'm able to say that all things work together. How does the evil, how does the abuse, how do all these things work together for good? Because it's working for my sanctification. How can I say that I will exult in my tribulations, in my trials, for it's producing perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope. How do I say these things? Because I recognize the spiritual context. I recognize what it's doing to my spirit. How can I say, how can I count it all joy when I encounter various trials? The carnal mind does not want to accept that. But when I've been enlightened by the Holy Spirit, I can receive these spiritual truths. I can receive from God. I can receive this revelation that is too lofty for me. I can receive it and I can run on. Somebody say run on. I don't know what you're going through, but I've had to run on this week. I've had to run on this month in these past couple months. I've had to stand on the word, the word that is enmity to my carnal mind. But when I stepped into the spirit, I got joy. I got encouraged. I was able to stand and declare, God, you are good. God, your mercies never fail. God, your compassions never fail. God, your love for me is everlasting. God, your grace never runs out. Get out your carnal mind. Your carnal mind is enmity, hostility. Your carnal mind can't comprehend the things of God. But you have the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, you have an aid that will open up the mind yes. to receive that which will give you encouragement yes, even when you don't yeah. comprehend what's going on. Yes, I said you want to stay in this place to believe the best about God. Because when you go in believing the worst and determined to see the worst, God will humble you. Yes. His word says that those who exalt themselves will be humbled yeah. and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I don't want to be humbled by God. I know a lot of people, particularly agnostics and atheists, they think they're so smart. 
because they try and bring God down to their level. This is how they fight God. Oh, you think you know, but I figured your word out. I figured you out. I figured out that you're not good. I figured out that you do evil. I figured out that you're not as pure as you say you are. They try to fight him on their level. Not realizing that he can't be brought down to your level. He is exalted. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You can't bring down a mighty, omnipotent, omniscient God. But why do they do that? It's the only way they feel like they can win. It's the only way they can feel like they can beat God. Bring him down to our level. We see this in the book of Job. If there was ever a book that talked about suffering, suffering that came out of nowhere, suffering that seemed to have no cause, wrestling with confusion. If there was ever a book to talk about all these things, it's the book of Job. Job is a prosperous man, a righteous man. He fears God. But what he does not know is that in the unseen realm, Satan has gone up to the heavens and told God, God, the only reason why Job serves you and fears you is because you have a hedge around him. If you were to remove that hedge and allow me to afflict him, he'll curse you. So God says, okay, I'll remove my hedge and you can afflict his land, his children, his servants, but you can't touch him. So one day, Job gets bad news after bad news after bad news. Anybody had days like that? When bad news just comes from left and right, and you're just like, when is it going to stop? He gets news that his livestock has been kidnapped. He gets news that his servants have been killed. He gets news that all of his children have been killed all in the same day. And the word says that when he gets gets this news, he bows down and he worships. How? How do you worship when your kids have been killed? How do you worship when your servants have been killed? How do you worship when your resources that you use to make money, when those things are stripped away, how do you worship? Because you're in the spirit, not in the carnal, carnal mind. He says, naked I came into this world, and naked I shall leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord takes and the Lord gives. He gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We also see in Job the the roller coaster of emotions that we experience. He started off worshiping when that suffering first happened. He says, shall we not accept good from God and not also adversity? He had all the good things, the spiritual truths to remember, to recall, to strengthen him. But Job had his weak moments. And that's us walking through suffering, walking through these things. We have our hard moments where we're up in the spirit. We can declare the truths. And then we have our moments where we like, God, what in the world are you doing? He says, do you not see me? Do you not look upon the wicked and see the evil that they've done? Why do you let them go unpunished, but you punish me? Why do you let them escape trouble and wrath, but you take away from me? Why do you allow these things? Why do you allow them to prosper? And I've lost everything. Job goes up, goes down. He goes up. 
he goes down. That's the trajectory sometimes we face when we're going through these challenges. Hello everyone, my name is Vernon Hill, Executive Director here at Transformation Christian Fellowship. What better way to grow in your Christian faith than in community with other believers? We invite you to be a part of Transform Life, our life groups here at TCF. Connect with any of our life groups for encouragement and support as you grow in your Christian faith. We're so excited to be able to walk this journey with you. Job even gets a little critical of the Lord. He tells the Lord, if I have sinned, what, I, what have I done to you? Why make me your target? He says, God, does it seem good to you to oppress me? Do you find joy in my oppression? Do you find joy in my suffering? God, what are you doing up there? Job steps into critiquing. My God. He steps into challenging. My God. He steps into this vein where he feels like he's equal with God. He steps into this vein where he feels like him and God are equals. God, you demand me answers. God, I want to meet with you in your courts right now. I demand to know why. I told y'all, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. So Job, God answers Job out of the wind. He says, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Who questions my authority as if they know everything? He said, Job, I, I don't blame you for bringing your questions, but hold up, bruh. If you're going to come to me, come correct, or I'm going to correct you. Amen. I know some of y'all have had that same feelings about people at your job, people in your family. I don't mind you coming up to me, but you better come correct because I'm going to correct you. And this is what God said. Job, prepare yourself like a man. King James Version says, gird your loins for war. I will question you now, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I created this world? Who determined the measurements of this globe? Who set the stars in place? Who planted gardens? Who placed animals in these gardens? Who governs the animals? Who governs the creatures of the sea? Who does that? I do. You weren't even here. So you question what I'm doing. I don't mind your questions, but your heart is getting a little bold. You've gone too far, and I need to remind you who I am. Amen. I am from eternity's past. You have a beginning and an end. I am the beginning, and I am the end. You think you know how to control? Job, come step on the throne and govern this entire world. Let's see how you would do. Let's see how you would fare. Since you know so much, since you're all about retribution, you didn't even know that Satan demanded permission to afflict you. You didn't know. But here's the thing. I gave him permission. You didn't even know that I told him not to kill you. I allowed him to afflict you with warts, but I told him not to kill you. I give the devil permission to do what he does. 
So prepare yourself like a man, Job. Like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. You know what Job's response was? I'm insignificant. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't concern things that are too lofty for me. I spoke without knowledge, mm. and I repent. He says, Lord, I know that you can do all things, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Show them verse 5. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. This man who had feared God, who had walked in his ways, who had walked upright, he said, I had heard of you. But Satan opened up a door. Excuse me, you opened up a door for Satan to afflict me. And as I wrestled with you, now I see you. What if the wrestling was an invitation for you, an opportunity for you to see God in a way you have never seen him before? I've heard about you in your scriptures. I've heard about you in church. I've heard all about you. But now I see you. I see you through the loss. I see you through the grief. I see you through the pain. I see you through the affliction. I see you through the hurt. I see you through the confusion. These things that don't feel good, that are hostile to my mind, yet they opened up a door for me to really get to know you. A lot of us would love to get to know him apart from all of that. But it's these very things that open up the door for us to see him as he is. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I saw him exalted and his train filled the temple. I saw him exalted above me, above this world, above me in this world. I saw him exalted and I see him exalted above every trial, above every mountain, Every valley experience, I see you where you are and where you reside and where you reign. And for some reason, though this pain has not escaped yet, when I look unto you, I find strength to go on. I find grace to endure. I find grace to empower me in the midst of my affliction. Don't stop asking him your questions because this is the type of revelation that you're going to need. Job never got an answer why. He never got an answer to why he endured suffering so much. He never, God never gave him a reason why. But God answered Job with his presence. He once felt abandoned by God, but God spoke. And even though he didn't get the answers because he heard the father's voice, that comforted him. Even though he never found out why God allowed him to suffer. What am I telling you? What you gain on the other side, apart from the answers, is so much more greater. 
deeper revelation of God. Strength to endure. Grace to overcome. I can see him clearly now. Y'all know that song? I can see clearly now? Because you've lifted the veils off of my eyes. The scales have fallen. And if I have to go through to see you more for who you are, I'll go through. Because I know you'll be there. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you to the ends of the earth. Lo, I am with you always. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. you know that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ I invite you to receive him now like I said you're not going to go throughout this life without having to wrestle with questions and doubt and suffering but you have an advocate in Jesus Christ you have a helper who will guide and lead you as you walk about with life. There are so many people leaving today, y'all, at all ages. And I don't want to scare you into salvation, but I want you to understand the severity of the situation. Those who depart from this place without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ will go to hell because they've rejected that relationship. But you don't have to be that person. God sent his son Jesus into the world to die for your sins, to redeem you, to spare you from eternal judgment so that you can live with him forever. He offers that gift of salvation today. And all you have to do is believe by faith. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If that's you, I want you to text TRANSFORM to 94000. We would love to show you the steps of salvation. Amen. It's not many, but you must believe by faith. If you know that you have strayed away from God, your devotion has lacked, and you just don't know where you are right now with the Lord, just lift up your hands. Just lift up your voice to the Father and say, Father, I want to come back to you. I've strayed away and I can't do it on my own. I'm like the prodigal son. I stepped out into the world trying to do my own thing and it didn't work and I'm tired. If that's you, you can rededicate your life to the Lord this morning. You can text that same word to that same number, transform to 94000. And if you need a church home, we were not meant to do life alone especially the body of Christ. We are meant to grow and mature together. So if you need a church home, we have arms open wide. We would love to walk with you and shepherd you and walk with you and walk together. We all walk in together. Nobody has arrived. But as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. If you need a church home, just let us know. We have arms wide open. We would love to welcome you into the fellowship. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus this morning. Hallelujah.
Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you would subscribe so you can continue to be empowered by the latest message. For more information about Transformation Christian Fellowship or Pastor Brandon Hill, visit our website, transformationchristianfellowship.org, or download our free mobile app on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1 to the number 94000 or visit our website. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.